Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Happy Baby Friday. Almost there, folks. It's the Fan Morning Show. Sports at 590 today, Justin and Ailish. Good busy, morning, Ailish. Busy, busy day today. Yeah, we, we have a lot to talk about today. Holy smokes. Yep. We didn't have a lot to watch last night, but we've got a lot to talk about this morning. <laughs> we've got a jam-packed day, guess. we got a jam-packed lineup. And we got to start with pull out your calculators, your pocket protectors. Do those... Like actually, those were never were they a real thing? You know, you always pocket like, protectors. Yeah, like the nerd. You'd be like, the nerd has a pocket protector. <laughs> uh, I couldn't. I, tell I you. couldn't even tell you what a pocket protector. But you've is. heard of that. I've heard that before. Yeah. Okay, so pull those out. Okay. Because we got to do some early morning I financial was, uh, analysis. I was just thinking that, like, what level? What are grade tens? Probably even earlier. Learning the stuff that we were just trying to teach ourselves before the show. <laughs> Well, I actually have a bone to pick about the education system. Oh, here we go. I feel like you don't actually learn applicable math-related skills. Like, I've never needed to know the isosceles triangle or (laughs) Pythagorean theory. Have you ever needed that? No, they were just testing your uh, intelligence level to make sure that you were Dartmouth caliber. Yeah, barely made it. It's not about you. It's just about, like, can you wrap your head around this concept but so you can what I should have learned thrive at the next was level. taxes and sure no, but they don't want you to. We're going down the rabbit hole again. No, I just we, mean we, like they this. Want, is what we're about to talk about. They're not I teaching you about taxes to... so that tax refund guys can have their jobs That's forever. True. But learning how to do financial analysis and stuff would have been way better than. Bed mass, okay? <laughs> bed, bed mass is relatively important. Not if you have a calculator and a pocket protector. I got to say, the public school system did not fail me because I figured out this evaluation okay, so thing. Discuss. So let's just, here's the backstory. Larry Tannenbaum is... LT. <laughs> our guy. Not LTIR, just LT. Yeah. Is just going to sell some of his shares of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Um, and undisclosed the amount of shares. So this is for setting the scene for the math. Mm-hmm. Undisclosed amount of shares, but they have now valued the MLSE franchise. Based on the sale of those shares, they can value the franchise. At $8 billion. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we'll go through like the breakdown of team by team. Not important at this moment. So he's going to sell an undisclosed amount of shares to Omers, a pension plan. Another pension plan. The pension plans. They... They don't want to get into business with the higher folks. $8 billion value would be the record value for sports teams and all this mm-hmm. collaborative group. Tannenbaum owns 25%. We know that. And Rogers and Bell, we own the other 75%. Mm-hmm. 37 so and a half each. We don't know how many shares that Tannenbaum is selling. And it doesn't really matter. It kind of does. He could be selling all 24% of them. Yeah, I mean, that'd be a little greasy, I think, if he was selling 24 and he's like the only face still at 1%. Like, how much could you... I don't think Bell and Rogers would allow you to do also, that. Also, yeah, this has to be approved by them. It's got to be approved them. by them. It's not like, oh, you own 1% of the company and you're the face? Like, you're the only person? I mean, it, we don't know. Still, though, he's cashing in. Like, mm-hmm. he's taking an opportunity here to not just get some cash flow going, but also to set the price for Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, which is no small thing. So this is this is a big deal. This is 
you know, putting a price tag on something that is a powerful, powerful force in this city and one of the biggest conglomerates in North American sports. So we're going to have Kurt Badenhausen on, sports business reporter at Sportico. This is all from Sportico. This came out yesterday. We'll go straight to the source. Yeah, I think it's important to do that, given that we were doing mug analogies. Okay, so We were putting a price tag on my mug. I said to Justin... All right. We were having a hard time arriving at how it's $8 billion. Explain, I was like, explain this to me you're like, like I'm five. You're Michael like, Larry Scott Tannenbaum's reference. getting $8 billion? And I was like, is, he sell, like, is his share worth $8 billion, 25%? And that's incorrect. So here's the platform. To you were explaining you want, to me okay. with a mug. And so the, the mug, mug is a terrible analogy, but you had it in your hands. So okay, go. So let's say the mug is owned by the two telecoms and, and Larry Tannenbaum. Larry Tannenbaum owes 25% of my beautiful horse mug Mm -hmm. now we don't know how much he sold of it we don't know how many shares we don't know what percentage 18 but let's say he sells 10 percent of the mug that's that's a realistic number and and he sells 10 percent of the mug to a group of people who want to pay 800 million dollars for the for 10 percent of the mug yeah so you can say based on that 10 percent 10 times uh 10 times 800,000 or 800 million sorry would be 8 billion so based on a sale of 10% of the company or the mug, you can extrapolate that the entire mug is worth $8 billion. It's like working backwards. I suppose. Where did they teach that? Didn't need Pythagoras theory on that one, did I? <laughs> no, you just have to watch Dragon's Den. Somebody just texted in and says, as an electrician, we actually use Pythagorean theory. Well, that's why there I didn't go. choose that career path. But, I mean, it's useful for some people who oh, did choose choose that career. Okay, so if Larry Tannenbaum sells 10%, we can put an evaluation using math about Again, that's just billion dollars. speculating. Yeah. We don't know how much he's selling, but we do know and and Sportico did a 2022 valuation of clubs. So this is one year outdated. The Raptors ranked 8th in the NBA, valued at 3.34 billion. Let's write these down here. See if it all adds up. I've got it right here in the doc. 3.3 bill. The Leafs are the NHL's most valuable team at 2.12 bill, which is less than the Raptors, just crazy to me. We're at 5.42 bill. FC was fifth in the MLS at 705 million. Ooh, that's harder now based on my... So obviously the Argos are in there somewhere. We don't know the Argos puzzle piece. Okay, we're over 6 billion. I'm sure the Marlies, or are they part of the Leafs? I find it hard to believe that based on TFC was $700 million that, Mm -hmm. you know, there are other holdings, I'm, I'm sure, but... This probably represents a slight uptick if we're at six billion through those yeah. three teams. Inflation. That, that yeah, based, I know about inflation. Did learn about it in elementary school. There but you I know go. About it now. But why this is important? Because even if he's only selling like five percent of his shares, you are all you are setting with that five percent sold from Larry Tannenbaum. Again, we're speculating mm-hmm. that this company is worth this based on one sale or a, a minority sale of the actual company exchanging hands, which is a big thing. Like you want your companies and you want your sports teams and you want everything that you own to be worth a lot. The price tag is such on the open market. That's why Gary Bettman's number one job as NHL commissioner is to handle the prices or to boost the prices of franchises. That's the entire job for a guy like Gary Bettman, who is the commissioner of a, of an, of a league that runs you know, the biggest hockey league in the world. Like, it's not about 
making sure the hockey is good. For Gary, it's about making sure the 32 franchises that play in the league are worth as much money as possible. Mm -hmm. So it is a big deal that they were able to slap a price tag on something, even if we're just seeing a small amount of shares relatively exchanging hands. So why do you think this is happening now? I wonder if there's a relation to, okay, the Ottawa Senators just went for a good amount of money and it was very public and right in our province. And we, we saw, you know, $1 billion valuation. I think it just came underneath that nine something, a hundred million. We saw Jeffrey Vinnick respond to that in Tampa Bay, selling a portion of his team. So maybe you just see chunks of money floating from hand to hand. And you think I could, I could take a couple bill, couple mil. Yeah. I mean, again, it's only worth something. It's only worth 8 billion if it's sold. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you cannot just because you don't have $8 billion at your disposal just because you're part owner of something worth that much money. To In order in order to have money, you got to sell some mm-hmm. of the company, and Larry Tannenbaum's doing that. So he's cashing in to a certain degree, but I think there's multiple uses for him making this move now. But again, at the end of the day, it's about cash and money and having money and having wealth. And Larry Tannenbaum, if he makes this sale, regardless, if he sells one share, it's mm-hmm. definitely worth a European vacation. Like, whatever <laughs> yeah. he does is going to produce money and produce income. And I think the Ottawa Senators sale, the fact that a team that could be so low at the bottom of the earning totem pole could be worth as much as it was, told a lot of people, instructed a lot of people who do have ownership of sports teams that, hey, this might be the time to cash in based on this bump and based on, hey, where they're at in life. Demographics is a big thing. A lot of old people, older people own sports teams. And it might be time for them to move on to do something different to maybe share the the wealth within their families. But for this, uh, it, for Larry Tannenbaum specifically, it's part that and also part putting a price tag on something that he's involved in. The other thing that they own is Scotiabank Arena. That's a, another part of the missing missing puzzle. There piece. you go. So maybe it's around $8 billion. I, I mean, that would be a costly <laughs> property to sell. Location, location, location. Exactly. You know how much rent is in Toronto? Skyrocketing. As a renter, I'm sure that owning right there, mm-hmm. Scotiabank Arena. Utilities on Scotiabank Arena might be a little... The condo fees yeah. that they just float in there for your barbecue <laughs> rental at Scotiabank. How many barbecues they got on that roof? They Not enough. They got to sell off some There's shares. There's never enough barbecues. Okay, so that's later in the show. Kurt Badenhausen mm-hmm. of Sportico will join us to wrap up the show. We got Gary Trent Sr., not junior, senior. We got some fashion advice, hopefully for him, uh, for, from him. Sorry, not for him. Where do you get a mink coat? I wouldn't dare offer fashion oh, advice God, no. to Gary Trent Sr. He'll join us at 8.30. We saw, obviously, we talked about it, Gary Trent Jr. exercising his player option. Gary Trent Sr., former NBA guard, uh, forward, is going to, you know, maybe give us a little insight about what Gary Trent Jr. is thinking. The NBA draft is tonight. It's draft day for a lot of young pups waking up this morning, getting their suits. This is always the fashion central today. Mm A lot of bold suits, a lot of very, very vibrant attire. It's a very, it's a big moment for a lot of these young men. I can't wait to to see the fits. Do you think, because a lot of the ones we saw like 20 plus years ago. Oh, like the big baggy suits. You regret them, Those are just brutal. Like, do you think in 20 years, the same things that we've been seeing over the past couple years? I kind of think you're onto something. Like a lime, like if I show up in a lime green suit. I think they're a little bit more timeless now. Like maybe not the lime green, but like at least they're not for people that are like three times the size of them. Yeah, 
Who was that again? I don't like Shaq, LeBron yeah, well, had a massive suit. Like all, all the guys like 20 years ago. But that, that was the style, right? That was the style. Things right. have changed. Yeah. And the style, I just will, typed in the style worst, will change again. I typed in worst NBA draft outfits online and they... Oof, It'll stuff. probably be a little bit more reserved down in Nashville when you're uh, conducting some interviews with guys who might be suited and booted. Well, I actually... Booted. I actually yesterday got the Sportsnet style team. Oh. We went and got me a You fit. went somewhere? Yeah, we went to That's it. really exciting. We went somewhere and we got... I out. thought you were just going to be picking through things No, no, back. no. We got fitted up yesterday. I got, wow. a, I got a red carpet fit Where's yesterday. Where's the Instagram story? Well, you got to wait for Nashville. Okay. But What are you it's doing? Cool. Are you like full dress? No, no, no. So this is for the NHL awards? The NHL awards that I'm, I'm going to be on the red carpet interviewing some of the players. Okay. So you I got will be a, on camera then? I got a fit. Because I'm not showing up in, what am I wearing right now? Leggings. Okay, you're not going to tell us what, but where did you go? It's a, it's a cool, like, power suit with cowboy okay. boots. Oh, it's going to wow. be baller. Wow. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, like, this is a TV life, Justin. What are we doing on radio? You I walk in there I, 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 I and there's, like... I don't know if I like, ask, but did they, did they foot the bill for that? Yes. Wow. Nice. Anyway, but, like, the radio life, we're, like, there's empty coffee cups in here, Yeah, someone's got to pay for that. And we stroll into this place in Toronto. There's, like, couches. They've laid out outfits for you. They, like, usher you. It's a beautiful life. I'm, like... Don't get any ideas, right? No, no, I just say it was, like, it was nice to be spoiled for, like, Just, yeah, just do it on the side a little bit. But, yeah, they they laid out a fit, and I got an outfit for that and for the live stream that I'm doing with Colby. Oh, so you got two? Got two outfits, actually. Wow. So tonight I'll be watching with the NBA draft. The here guys I, here I am thinking you have to rent clothes. Well, I mean that's an option too. But tonight I'll be I'll be judging the NBA outfits and thinking, mm-hmm. okay, like what's the vibe going to be? I mean, I feel like these NHLers are going to be all like boring. But I'm going to pull I'm going to pull some energy out of them. That's my don't, job yeah, in no, Nashville. No, don't be too harsh on them. Like a, a part of the job to pull some personality out of them is on you. I meant for the red carpet. It's the it's the current NHL players. Yeah, right? like they're coming for their awards. I know. And it's your job to make them entertaining. Don't you worry. When I see Conor McDavid, I'm they making him smile. They didn't buy you two outfits for nothing. No, no, I'm going to make I'm going to make Kyle, uh, Connor McDavid smile. Okay. That is the goal of next That's week. That's a promise. Yeah, I, I promise you I will make him smile. Okay. I promise you right now on the radio. All right. And I'll get video evidence of it. How much thought have you put into what are you going to say? Uh, none, zero. zero. Okay, just strictly <laughs> vibes. Make promises and then try to, uh, you know, keep them. Anyway, lots of dreams hopefully coming true for some uh Maybe a, f- a former Raptor for sure. Tonight, uh, the NBA had some monster trait. Like, what's going on in the NBA? Want to do that now? Yeah. Why not? Last night, um, it was like snip, snap, snip, snap. Another Michael Scott reference. Okay. My office fans this morning are getting double whammy. Um, so the confirmed-ish trade, because there was like two versions of it, is that the Celtics, the Wizards, and the Grizzlies have a three-term, three-team trade which is sending Porzingas to the Celtics and Smart to the Grizzlies and Tyus Jones to the Wizards. That's pretty damn big. And it didn't happen at first, and then now a new iteration of it, Mark Smart is the the other missing piece. Yeah, it was originally centered around Malcolm Brogdon going to L.A. as part of the deal to get mm-hmm. Chris Tapps Porzingis to Boston. Uh, I gotta say, like, I know Chris Tapps Porzingis had a good season last year for Washington, but I, I think that's important context, that it was for Washington. But I never thought that the Boston Celtics would be breaking their backs 
trying to get this player. I, Honestly, I know, I just, it's shocking. I just don't see how, like, that is the thing that will separate you from being, hey, a team that should win the title to a team that's going to win the title. It is a credit to Derek White, though, because it's like, hey, we'll take anyone from our backcourt to get this player, whether it's Brogdon or Marcus Smart, because we got a guy like Derek White, and we believe that we have, you know, enough guard depth uh, to add and optimize our roster uh, just a little bit. Uh, it is, I, I don't, like, feel stronger, though, that the Boston Celtics are going to win an NBA championship okay, but with this move whatsoever. They did also get two first-round picks. This is important, right? Like, but, that's, but which that's direction also are you going? Weird. Exactly. But no, that's what I'm saying. Like, but maybe you use those to flip for something else. You gave up Marcus Smart, though. You did. I, I totally agree. I love Marcus Smart. I think he's a great player. But we did talk about is this, like, time with... Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, like this like trio of yeah. guys. Anyway, but they did get a 2023 first-round pick. So tonight, number 25, but whatever. And then a first-round pick of 2024. So Probably not going to help you win a title over the next couple well, years that's with what I'm Chris Like, What's the direction of Celtics fans waking up this morning and be like, we just lost Marcus Smart and you're getting two first-round picks. Those are different directions. Those are different windows. Unless you're getting the first overall picking of Victor. Obviously, well, sure, you're not. Sure. But Any real lottery selection. Like, okay, that makes some sense. 25. Um, so, I mean, there's still, there's pieces to be made for this puzzle. There's this off season. And I love when the NBA, they just, they don't, they don't care. They're just like, let's do blockbusters. You want to have, uh, one last week. You want to have this one now. You want, maybe there's something that we have to see tonight at the draft. It kind of feels like they just, you could never put a pulse on what's going on in the NBA. Things just happen and they don't, they don't care about big blockbuster trades at 1155 PM, which that was when it was. Yeah, I was. I definitely thought the the thing was dead because it seemed to die with Malcolm Brogdon uh, not being an option anymore for LA. It is interesting too for Memphis. I mean, they're missing John Morant for twenty five games. Tyus Jones right. was really really good when he had to step in in place of John Morant at times, multiple times uh, this past season. Uh, yeah, I mean, Marcus Smart. You know, he he kind of has some of that Dylan Brooks in him as well. Uh, and Dylan Brooks, of course, was cut loose by Memphis. So it's a different little change of. Uh, a scenery going on there in Memphis as well. But I like Marcus Smart a lot. And to get involved in this and to pick up Marcus Smart in this deal, uh, it's an interesting move uh, by Memphis, one that's a little bit polarizing, maybe a little bit questionable because Tyus Jones has has shown some potential. Uh, But yeah, it's uh, the NBA stays fascinating. You're right. Yeah, big day ahead. Uh, We'll tee that up. We've got, as you said, Gary Trent Sr. And Mark Kestisher. I just wanted to make sure. You had it. I had it, and then you I panicked. Kestisher, uh, 8 o'clock. He's going to help host uh, tonight's draft on ESPN Radio, the pre-show of that. Um, that starts at 7 p.m., and he's NBA play-by-play announcer as well, so we'll go through today's thoughts and vibes and how last night changes it, and tomorrow morning when we come on the radio, we'll have a newest Raptor, which will be exciting. Raptors pick 13th, of course. Okay, so uh, Blue Jays. Blue Jays. Oh, the smile in the voice. We're back again. <laughs> what do you mean yeah. giggling over there? I'm just like you. Uh, you had a lot of positivity yesterday. And it paid off. All we have to do as media is change our tone and the players respond and they win baseball games. It's all on us. Okay, so <laughs> so you every not everything was back, but there were like strides taken towards being back when we talked mm-hmm. about uh, Tuesday's game yesterday. Yes. Now that Wednesday's game has happened and it's today, what more strides, Ailish Forfar, in your opinion, have they taken towards respectability? They went from a less than 50% chance to make the playoffs to a more than 50% oh, chance. Oh, we're of, hanging off the, that fan Buddy, we're at 53.2. 
This Huge is this, you know what, you know what we're setting up towards? One of those graphs by the end of the season, 162 game sample yeah. size, where it goes up, way up, up way up, down, up, way up, way down, right at the, the end. Coaster. Where it's like just a straight line mm-hmm. until the very end. That's where we're headed to. And that's not a great thing because that means this is a bubble team. But guess what? They're right on the bubble right now in terms of actually making the playoffs. Okay, here's here's something to hang your hat on. And not, moral to, victories. To, to their credit, there are a couple moral victories. I think they're, uh, they're legitimate victories. And I want to hear them. The that was a very long nine game stretch, three different cities, two different time zones. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And honestly, when we teed up the series, it was against some powerhouse teams like the Orioles. We know the Orioles. They they have surprised everybody, and they are a fun team to follow. And they're also damn good. The Rangers, Texas Rangers, are a really great baseball team. And the Marlins were on a hot streak, whether they played, you it's know, stellar. Trip teams or not. It was a tough road trip. The Blue Jays end up going four and five on that, so not breaking the 500 rank, but they just played 40 games in 42 days. You're, you, okay. I, well, shut up for a second. They've got a four-man rotation <laughs> and they've got injuries. Yeah. And I'm saying that that's not cause that the sky is falling. Sure, but these are like self-inflicted realities, right? Like if sure. you're a baseball team that has to play 40 games in 42 days, it's like the norm, mm-hmm. right? I understand that. And the fact that they're a, a four-man rotation is because their best pitcher was not a pitcher this year, decided not to be anymore, mm-hmm. had to go down to the Florida Complex League, and they didn't put any assurances behind them, understanding that they had some pitching issues and understanding that injuries happen in every baseball season. Yeah, I, so can't, like, I can't argue that point uh, either. But yeah, it was a tough road trip mm-hmm. and and four out of five or four and five is like uh, uh i guess you survived it you but survived. also i don't know they played two teams that they're behind in the standings and mm-hmm. showed that they were at least in those six games inferior to legitimate teams in the american league east again that's a small sample size but kind of like that's the reality after you go through baltimore and texas and look like a team that wasn't prepared to beat them mm-hmm. in a series if they had one so like, yeah, I mean, I think there's some positivity. I think the biggest positivity would be, like, Matt Chapman hit a home run and looked like he maybe turned a corner. Okay, one home run does it for you, eh? No, but just looked like the approach, like, a little bit better over the past couple of days, and it actually yields something in the end and gives them a big run in order to help them protect the lead. Again, grasping. Okay, but like, uh, we but can like, grasp. But, like, that's, how we, well, that's what we have to see, because yeah. if they're going to make any changes— are they going to do better than four wins in, in nine games on difficult road mm-hmm. trips? You're going to need bats to come around, right? Because you yes. had Kevin Gosman out there, and that's great. And he usually gives you what he gave you. Uh, but in order to win these games, in order to buck the trends, they need certain individuals to turn things around. And the fact that Springer had a decent mm-hmm. night and Matt Chapman hit a home run. And belts back. The, the, the offense played mm-hmm. well despite Bo Bichette being a scratch, your best hitter not being available. Uh, maybe there's something to build on. Okay, there. how about that second inning? It's a good one. It was it ever. Um, there's some level of confidence there that everything is there for the Blue Jays. They didn't lose their talent. They didn't lose their stars. Like, it's there. It, we see flashes of it. We saw a lot of flashes of it in that second inning. And Sandy Alcantara, like, I didn't realize he was having their own version of an Alec Manoa season. He's bad. He might, like, he could just do, like, a session. They're in Florida. He could the, go to he the complex should go league. Ch- just, check just, out what's going on down there. Yeah, he was Cy Young winner. Poke your head in there and see what's happening. Cy Young winner fall from grace is happening for the Marlins. It's nice to know that Manoa is not the only one. And there you go. He His ERA is three times higher than it was last year's, and his Ks and walks rates are way off. He's hittable. 
He looked human, and the Blue Jays took advantage of that. There's a positive. They found some momentum. They had a great second inning, and that's something that they have within them. It's just stringing that together, finding that tonight or tomorrow. They get an off day today. They've got three games against Oakland Athletics. If you're finding some offensive power and offensive consistency, what a great time to do it at home against a team that you are better than mm-hmm. in all facets. So there's positives. Um, and Gosman, like Gosman, Gosman was good. He wasn't great. He was good. And the team was able to find a way to win behind him, which they usually are able to. Um, still goes a good lengthy seven-plus innings, and he's now trailing only uh, Evaldi, Valdez, and Cole in total innings this season. This is something that the Blue Jays needed big time. They had three bullpen days in a row. Kevin Gosman comes in, gives them the length that they need. They get an off day today. It's like they can reset tomorrow when they come home and start against this three-game series. So that's the positive from Kevin Gosman. But he, he got hit around a little bit. Yeah, he did. Uh, and and some of the, one of the realities that they're facing here, and maybe the one that's it's seen, I don't know if it's seen through him the most, but if you're running a four-man rotation and some of your pitchers yeah. are really can really, really benefit even just like once a month from pitching on an extra day's rest, mm-hmm. like Kevin Gosman's one of those guys, uh, the numbers bear it out. Yeah. He is much better if he has that extra day. And this isn't Japan. This isn't the reality. Shohei Otani gets to do it. But not every pitcher has that luxury. And in fact, if you pitch for the Toronto Blue Jays, even those built-in off days, they don't give you that extra day's rest. So these guys have to grind through yeah. until Canada Canada Day, excuse me, and potentially beyond. When in reality, Kevin Gosman can be his best self if he actually had that one pitcher. So that's another example of how one defection in the whole system mm-hmm. affects the other p- parts that you feel really, really good about. Because Kevin Gosman, if given the luxury that he should get, which is the extra day, if available to him or if mm-hmm. uh, carved out on the schedule for him, uh, he doesn't get it, at least until Alec Manoa is back or someone comes in to replace Manoa's spot permanently. Okay, so Brandon Belt back, as I mentioned, he's going to be important. His last 30 days we talked about, it, he was like the MVP of the year in one month, uh, over 1,000 OPS. It'd be great for him to come back, be back at home. And I thought it was interesting, the timing of that. I know Bo was out, but there's an off day today, right? Really felt like let's get him in the lineup and capitalize on an opportunity to win a series. But Bo last minute scratched late before the game with a thumb, was it soreness? How do they consider it? Uh, left thumb discomfort. Discomfort. Doesn't seem very serious. Like he's not going on the aisle. I don't think he even got x-rays, but something to keep an eye on because he's one of your best hitters in the, in at least a calendar year. Like from last August, I think he's been probably one of the hottest, most sure. consistent. And of course, he doesn't miss games very often. So it, that one raised some, not concern, but some intrigue. Yeah, I think maybe mild concern yeah, okay. would be fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, if your best hitter is dealing with something in his hands, it's something to maybe be a little bit concerned up. But mm-hmm. bump, bumps and bruises happen, and bumps and bruises generally are things that you can overcome rather quickly. So uh, the fact that it's, you know, I didn't hear Schneider after the game, but I'm sure we'd know if it was a little bit more serious. No, they were this. pretty chill about it. Um, okay, I think the biggest thing that maybe I take away from it is this: a, those are pretty big mental fortitude games that they just won. They were embarrassed two times. They lost a 6 nothing lead. They got smacked around 11 nothing, and they found a way to win two tightly contested games. I think that that's 
a real building point. And I know it was being a little bit funny, sarcastic with, oh yeah, nine game stretch through two different time zones. Doesn't matter. Like we're looking at one game sample sizes. If we try to hone into that, they've they've turned some sort of serious switch. You know, like I felt like they played more. You felt that? Like, I, are you I, are you being? I think that they played a bit more of a serious approach to these last two games. Like not like they were humbled, but it was like. We're not, this was embarrassing. Like, our club is better than that. Okay. We can't continue to play baseball like this. And it's a long series. But the way that they rebounded with the Kikuchi game, the 2 nothing win, I felt like that was serious, clean baseball. So yeah. you're theorizing that the two embarrassing losses back-to-back, giving up the lead mm-hmm. against Texas, and then getting just absolutely walloped in game one versus mm-hmm. Miami was rock bottom on the season? I hope so, Justin. Because there's only one direction from rock bottom, I right? think so. I mean, all I can do is speculate, but something had to have changed. And if it's not, then this team is in a real tough couple months ahead. Yeah, I mean, I I think confidence is still like dangling by a thread a little bit. Like, I don't think you reclaim it all in two days. If you you get absolute, if you lose two or three to Oakland, you're going to be feeling pretty sorry for yourself Mm -hmm. uh, once again. So I I think this is, I, I think it's still hanging in the balance for me. Um, but I do think it matters to individuals. I think Matt Chapman, who's been brutal for so long, hitting home run is important. Yeah. I think nothing, it all still pales in comparison to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. getting it going. But I think a little bit more positivity from individuals instead of like mostly sulking permeates the room yes. and permeates the clubhouse. Like I, I think that can mean something. I do think they can carry over momentum. I do think the off day can help them out here. And I do think Oakland being the next opponent is a good thing. So hopefully they can keep the good times. Like they're set up for bit. success. Like if you can't capitalize on two off days before and after this series back home against Oakland, I, then we're, we're really seeing a different, I don't know, mental fortitude i just use that word but yeah, like but makeup yeah, but of this chris, team if chris bassett is a bum for whatever reason in the next start and they don't win the game for that sole purpose or that sole reason like mm-hmm. oh, if you're everybody else like what can you do right i, I don't know it, it's it's it all still has to come together a little bit more for me um yesterday i don't, don't want to make it negative but everybody recorded a hit except for vladi and dalton varsha it's time there are places you can bet where this is the weekend for Vladdy. This there, hit there the home are run places that Center. you can bet when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will hit his first home run at the Rogers okay. Center. It if we come on here Monday. Oh, is I it won't series be or day? Which game? Okay. So is it, is it Friday night back home? Oakland Athletics and Vladdy finally hits a bomb. Like, please. <laughs> I mean, the guy on the bump for the Athletics on I believe Friday night, Caprillion. He was, it was like when we were doing early what stats. What do you know about Caprillion? All I know is when we were doing stats on Manoa and when he was like last, 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 the guy who was second last was With James him? Caprillion. So it might oh, be Oh, he's time. got a 635 ERA. And I think that's improved a little bit of late. He was one of the lowest performing guys when Alec Manoa was one of the lowest performing guys active in Major League Baseball. So maybe you can hang your hat on that. I just looked up the stats. Vladdy's batting 333 against Caprillion. Chapman's batting 500 against him. There's your future picks. Vladdy Chapman parlay. There you go. Dingers. Get those bets in. All right. So, yeah, Blue Jays off day today. It's kind of nice. You just get a day to enjoy yourselves, watch the NBA draft, go outside, enjoy some beautiful weather, go to a patio. You want to give us a quick 30 seconds on your back-to-back concert uh, goings? It was great. That's about one second. It was fantastic. 29 more. A friend of mine 
who works for the company that owns the stage. Okay. A pretty famous that, stage in the, Toronto. The beverage company. Yeah. He was he was employee of the month and got VP of marketing seats. So he brought his fiance and me. I was wow. third wheeling big time last night. That's all right. I don't know. I didn't That's care at all. It was wheel. a stunning evening. But to see Boy Genius, so if people don't know who they are. Um, They're like me, they don't. They don't, and that's fine. It's a little bit less famous than Stevie friggin' Nicks. But anyway, <laughs> it was it was great. Back-to-back nights of concerts, I'm like, okay, I just need like a night where I do laundry and sit in pajamas, but I'm good with that. So okay. Still trying to get to Shania on Friday just to have the hat trick of concerts. Big female artist week for Ailish, but and that it was, was really Ailish's lovely. And that was Ailish's concert report, and, and we're going to do it all summer long. Ailish's concert report brought to you by... Spending too much money on tickets. Not the stage. But I don't have another one if I don't go to Friday. I don't have another You're one until... let's o- be honest. Well, yeah, I'm going to go. But what am I pretending? If I don't go. But I don't have another one until August because it's like wedding season in July. I have like 42 weddings. Uh, things will come up. Yeah, no. You'll figure it out. I don't know. I think it's just You'll move get in on front of August. some live music. I'm sure. Oh, we well, have the concert report. Nashville, I will. There you go. You know, I looked into... In Nashville, there's the Bluebird Cafe, which is pretty famous. Oh, you don't know that one. Do you know? Anyway. That wasn't a stop on the uh, the bachelor party I went there. Oh, yeah, I think it's a little bit different vibe, but it's good. Like it's where it's famous. Sure, you have to get tickets exactly one week out at twelve oh one a.m. They release them and they sell out immediately. So I was like, oh, let me take a look for next week. It's on out. <laughs> well, can't you? You're there all week. Can't you? Uh, go no, I already Thursday? missed it. Uh. It'd be Thursday night and they fly out. Anyway, but I'll take other options. I know people have been to Nashville, so send in where I should go watch live music to continue my live music tour. There you go. How many concerts in seven days can Ailish go to? Uh, it'll, it'll potentially be three. I mean, with the abundance of, of music that there is there, I guarantee you see more than seven acts. Wow, more than seven acts? Dude, if, you, if you're in Nashville, you just walk into yeah, a bar like, so, and someone okay, is playing. But what, does an act mean one live song or like three? No, they'll be doing probably a set. Who do you think? I'm not going to sleep? I'm a professional. I'm there for work. <laughs> I, guarantee, I guarantee you will see... You just have to go one floor up. You'll see someone else playing. Okay, but I know I agree. I will see at least seven different artists, but I will see seven different acts. It's different. I'm I'm lumping in Boy Genius, Stevie Nicks. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, Hockey Hall of Fame induction was yesterday. Boom, boom, boom. Lots of stuff to go through. Um, interesting is a good way to put this. If you listened yesterday which you always do and you love and subscribe and download our podcast if you miss any any seconds never ask you we yeah we actually never ask people to do that i think we just we just honorable people you know what you know but you could always just go and give us five stars and download and subscribe we just never say it should we be doing that more i don't know no one tells us to so Whatever Probably you know, not. we have a podcast, people, right? We'll take five stars though if you're willing to. And if you put them out there. if you didn't know that, go listen. You could just come back and listen to Justin's takes about Stevie Nicks I mean, whenever you want. It's living there if you were, in Spotify. If you were not here at six oh five and you didn't hear my mug math, <laughs> you mug need math. to hear it. Hashtag mug math. Larry Tannenbaum made a sale based on my mug, mug calculations. Math, mug math. There's another T-shirt <laughs> for us. We're working on. I gotta get math. some T-shirts made. Mug math. Um, very very. <laughs> viral online right now. Okay, so we've got the Hockey Hall of Fame induction, mm. annu- sorry, announced their inductees for the class. Um, yesterday we laid out some people that were eligible and I think we only mentioned uh, two of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people that were put into the uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame. Okay, I'll, I'll take the builders out, right? Yeah, the builders are, yeah, it's hard to predict, but 
So how many did we get there? Did we get five players or six players? We got Lundqvist, Ouellette, not Tom Barrasso, no. not Mike Vernon, and not Pierre Turgeron. Okay, so we got five. Who were the? Who was the eight? Um, we got Lacroix and Hitchcock. Am I missing one? Uh, no, that's it. Okay, seven then. You said eight. Seven anyway, people class. Let's talk about the players. We only had that's two of them. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, we were uh, we were a little off because well, felt- everybody was off. Who, this was like sleeper picks galore. Yeah, it, you know what? It, it felt like sort of. Uh, it, it's it's like it's hard, right, to, to to talk about it this way when you're talking about distinguished NHL careers, yes. great hockey players, actually beyond the NHL, mm-hmm. and like just great hockey players. It, they should not be diminished because they were chosen to be inducted. That said, it feels like mop-up duty. It's like, hey, these people have been on for 20 years. We got to make a decision mm-hmm. now. Why don't we just jam this class with a bunch of guys who have been around for a while and who happen to play goaltender? Yeah, it was like, hey, when's the last time we got goalies in there? We got to pick this up. <laughs> it's like, let's take the the goalies have been on this list the longest who are most susceptible to dropping off our ballot and let's get them in now because it might be our only chance. So, Which doesn't feel like the way no. you should be designing a Hall of Fame. 1,000%. And Henrik said, Lundqvist was the lock, said, though. That said, yeah. Tom Barrasso did win a Calder and a Vezina the same year. He's got multiple Stanley Cups. Mm-hmm. Mike Vernon, multiple Stanley Cups, won a Conn Smythe. They are very, very accomplished. However, when I think of those two, and again, before our time, just a little bit, I think they both retired in 2003. I was watching hockey in 2003. I don't have any fond memories of either of these two individuals. That said, they are very accomplished, but when I think about the greatest goaltenders in the game, it would take me a long time to get to either of these two gentlemen. I agree. I think that this is where it comes to the Hall of Great, the Hall of Good, and the Hall of Fame, right? And I, sure. I definitely think that there is a case for anybody to be in the Hall of Fame. Like, nobody is a terrible hockey player that's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. But it is now, a, it's hard to compare the legends versus the really great players. And I don't have fond memories of these players either because, yeah, I was not really comprehending hockey at this point in my life. But yeah, yeah, you're probably you, playing triple A. You look at the stats and there's certainly a case to be made for everyone that goes in. But after, and I think this is going to be the conversation every single time that somebody gets inducted to the Hall of Fame. It's like, why now? Why 20 years since you've been eligible? 20 years. Why now? Mm-hmm. And it does bring up your point of is, mop up, like let's get some people in here before it's too late. Yeah, There's somebody that once again, Alexander McGillany didn't get in, and it's the same kind of conversation. It's like, why is it Tom Barrasso's time and not Alexander McGillany, right? Like, that's strange to me. Well, we could go, like, to political issues, maybe, yes. as being a part of that reason, which I think is just, you know, ridiculous. Whatever's happening uh, with Russia right now, I'm not sure why that And I think that's certainly part Alexander of it. I saw McGillany. that online. Like, they might not be inducting players of that but, but and what bothers me about that is that the first time that it's palatable for the nhl to run best on best and profit mm-hmm. off the russians that star in their league like they don't have a problem with nikita kucherov and andre vasilevsky lifting stanley cups over their mm-hmm. head so i'm not really sure why this is an issue taking a stand this way I, I, whatever it's just ridiculous to me but they already made their decision on alexander mcgillney so that's why it's like it doesn't you had a you had a reason to not include him previously because he's been on the ballot for a long time and you've passed over him for multiple years far before the the climate that we're currently in in terms of he's been waiting since issues. 2009 time he's, been on, the, he's yeah. been on he has been waiting for his hall of fame moment since 2009 there you go and and I, like i and i think at this point you'll never get in it feels like right 
unless they go 20 years and they're like, oh, we're really doing this? And then it's like, how much Ugh. How much have you already, like, frayed that relationship where it's like, you didn't believe I was a Hall of Famer for 20 years. Now I'm and going And now in. what? Like, what has changed? I'm and I think it doesn't feel like that to a guy like Mark, Mike Vernon because this was less of a sure thing, or at least it seems like it should be less of a sure thing. He was on the Hall of Fame ballot since 05. That, that frankly is too long. Like, I don't, I don't want to put a hard and fast rule on but it. I kind of want to, Justin. But I kind of want to want to well. say five like, years. If it's five years, uh, five years makes so much sense. Five However, years. when like Crosby and Corey Perry and Alexander Ovechkin and a bunch of guys in this current iteration mm-hmm. of the NHL. Decide to retire. If they all go, like, I don't know if it'll work out perfectly. Well, then have more people one year and less people next year. That would make all the Why sense. Why is the there world. a cap? But they're trying, great to, to, have they're 10 trying to sell a weekend and make money and well, have a big thing and a big party and a big broadcast and all this stuff. Make it more exclusive. The solution, and we, I'm surprised we haven't got to this yet, and it's not mop up duty Burned because it's fame? deserved. You can have more than one woman yeah. inducted every year. That would help. And there would be multiple obvious candidates mm-hmm. who could have went mm-hmm. in with Carolyn Ouellette this year instead of Mike Vernon and Tom Barrasso. Yeah. And it really, it's crazy because they're, it's, it's exaggerating their, their whole like system of one woman, which is not like said, but is unwritten, at least it seems. Well, they have space for two. They have space for two, they only choose one. Why is there only space for two is another, like, it does not make sense. It exaggerates an existing problem, which is that you don't have equality in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. It's not just for the NHL. It's not just for Canadians and Americans who grow up in Canada and America and play in the NHL because they are talented men. Like, it's that's not mm-hmm. the Hockey Hall of Fame. The Hockey Hall of Fame is the Hockey Hall of Fame, which is a global sport played by a, a lot of people. Have you seen the, different. the people that and select, are different? Do you see the people that select the Hockey Hall of Fame? I've, yeah. They are all very much an iteration of the same person. Well, there are women on the panel. Yeah. I'm just saying it's it's pretty much a very similar group of people that make this yeah. selection every year. Which is, okay, so maybe there are blind spots there. Uh, but, again, you <laughs> you have a problem. Like, it's, it's, there's a, it's so disproportionate already. And every year, if you just go four NHLers, one woman, a couple builders, mm-hmm. you're just going to keep exaggerating the problem if you see it as a problem, which is that it's only one type of person in the Hockey Hall of Fame. It does not make sense to me why in a down year where it's Mike Vernon and Tom Barrasso, you wouldn't be like, hey, let's make this about Ouellette and Ouellette's former teammates or rivals, whatever. It could have been done the previous year, could Mm -hmm. have been done this year. I'm sure next year we'll be saying the same thing. And I think people are quick to say, well, it's hard to compare women. Like, you don't need to compare... uh, Julie Chu's resume with Mike Vernon's, they play in different, like, she doesn't win a Stanley Cup, there isn't one. But I also think people are, like, blind to the fact that just because you add another woman doesn't take a spot away from a man. Like, there are two spots for women. Doesn't mean you subtract Mike Vernon. It just means that you can have two. Oh, you might have been. You might have been subtracting Mike Vernon. Yeah, but you might have. But there isn't isn't one for one. You can have two women and three men. It doesn't matter. Sure. So why are you not utilizing that space? Like, there are incredible female hockey players that deserve to be in there more than others 100 percent. okay so there's your uh there's your ballot <laughs> there's your hall of fame there's your hall of fame and i i just think it personally it's kind of lost it's, it's like luster for me 
And and it's too bad because we didn't talk really about Ouellette or Lundquist at all, who are definitely deserving of mm-hmm. their Hall of Fame distinction. No real debate oh, yeah, to it, of course. right? Yeah. And we uh, we just didn't talk about them. And they'll have their moment for for sure at the Hall of Fame. They'll be probably the second or the the last two who speak, and they'll you know it'll be ranked in that order then, and it'll make a lot of sense then. Um, but again, because it just seems like it's it's so haphazard how they're doing this. And it's it doesn't make sense in the moment. It doesn't make sense to anyone who cares about it. I mean, that tells you something, or at least it should. All right, so the Hall of Fame induction later to come. Um, we will talk. We got some Raptors to chat through the NBA draft. Obviously, tonight it's going down in Brooklyn, 7.30 p.m. on Sportsnet, Sportsnet 1, and Sportsnet now. The Spurs on the clock with the first overall pick Toronto with the 13th selection. Uh, we'll keep teeing that up today. John Morosi will join us today at 7 a.m. Our guy, Greg Wyshynski at 7.30. Let's talk more about the Hall of Fame and maybe the Maple Leaf sale. I don't know how much, uh, if he's got his pocket protector going this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Kestacher at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. to tee up the NBA draft. Gary Trent Sr. at 8.30. And then we'll round it up with... Our business chat, Kurt Badenhausen of Sportico, to talk about the Maple Leafs and Larry Tannenbaum, a baby wake and rake at the very, very end of the show. Very, very baby wake and rake. Like, one word. Send in your pick, but don't add any fluff. Yeah, I wonder if Kurt deals with mug math. (laughs) You should should try to explain the mug math. He'd be like, you're such an idiot. There you go. Um, The A-list after the break. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Now, it's time for hey, the A-List. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. Stop, baby. All right, big night for the NBA draft. Not a lot of not a lot of question about who's going number one, but number two, number three, there's, there's some things happening. There's some conversations happening. You can go and take a look at some bets. I don't think we'll have time to do futures for that, but there are some bets you can make on, like, who's going to go fifth, sixth, whatever. But Brandon Miller, um, obviously he's in the kind of like the two slash three with mm-hmm. uh, with Scoot Henderson, was having his pre-media availability. And you don't really get to chat. Like, we don't really get to hear from these kiddos much, right? These kiddos, yeah. No, we don't. But Surprisingly. I don't, know, I don't know if you want to go viral on the night before the NBA draft for your takes if the entire sporting world doesn't agree with them. So here is a question posed to Brandon Miller. Um, yeah, we'll just play it, and you can you can judge. No, because I, I actually don't uh, think LeBron is you know the goal of basketball. I think my goal of basketball is Paul George. You know, I always grew up watching him, so it's never just LeBron. Okay, so he was asked like about the goats of basketball there, and yeah. if you didn't hear it. Um, I actually don't think LeBron is the goat of basketball. My goat of basketball is Paul George. I mean, I, I think like you're maybe like losing the definition of goat just a little bit. Like well, it just seems like a- this is his favorite player. If it was like a, if it was like a more polarizing take, I'd be like, okay, you're ready for your media career. Just sit him across from Skip Bayless and let's go. Because if you're going to argue that Paul George is better than LeBron, you got to be outside your mind. Uh, but if his favorite player is Paul George, I mean, I almost see the comparison. Like, he kind of looks like Paul George in terms of his playing style at times from the little that I've seen Mm -hmm. at Alabama. So it just feels like, uh, yeah, you're asked who your favorite player is, and then you mistakenly called him the GOAT. 
I don't I don't know. He said goat a few times. The question the the question posed he before said he's this, my goat. Yeah, but he the question posed before it was a lot of the word goat, 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 goat. And you know, goat gets people fired up. I know, it's but like, it also gets broken telephone, right? Like loses its meaning. Anyway, apparently also the, the follow up should have been, "What do you think goat means? What yeah, does goat go. stand for?" Greatest of all time. The uh, good player. My favorite. My favorite. Goodest of all time. Yeah. Not greatest. Goodest. I, like, yeah, when pressed, I'm like, <laughs> we can't really compare the the careers. Anyone can. No, of you those can't. Two. Um, also, but I if just, you like Paul George more. You like Paul George more. That's what he should have said. I like Paul George more. We have. Um, he's he's a he's a fun character, Brandon Miller, in terms of his. Is he? In terms of his on podium like pokes, like he was saying that he was talking trash to Michael Jordan. I don't know if you okay. saw that. But he's like, Jordan told me I was a shooter. I kind of talked some trash back to him. I witnessed him airball free throw. So, you know, it's just him being old. Like he was, yeah, he said this okay, about man, MJ. I don't know. Maybe he's just a little bit more brash. That's than I gave what I'm saying. For. I think he's he's making his presence known very early in his NBA career. Our buddy, what our his buddy vibes Benny Matherin like. went after LeBron too. What's I like with how everybody all these going against LeBron? Going after him now. So then if LeBron plays one more season in the NBA, he takes note of this. He's going to dunk all over these kids. Mm-hmm. He, you think LeBron isn't like with a little notebook of, of, have you seen Mean Girls? No. Oh my God. You know the burn book? Have you ever seen a burn book? I've heard mean Girls? someone say burn book. Okay, so LeBron, uh, LeBron definitely has a burn book and he's got Brandon Miller. He's got uh, Benny, Benny, Matherin. Benny Matherin. And he's like, when our schedule lines up, Burn book, and he's got a photo of them. Okay. Dylan Brooks, of course. Daniele just reminded me, Dylan Brooks, like, he yeah. did God. Does he have a team right now or no? He's just, like, floating around, eh? Oh, I think he's do floating we, around. Yeah, free agent. Do we know what he's going to... I don't think we're seeing any blockbuster trades with him. Bit of a fall from grace. Okay, let's take a break. John Morosi after the break, MLB Network Insider. Okay, was that rock bottom with the Jays itching their way up? Are they climbing the mountain of respectable baseball? I think we're on to something. That's next.